0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Uncertified and Unqualified. I'm Rita. And I'm Anna. And today we are going to be debunking socialist policies from a capitalist mindset.
1: Capitalism. We we hint at it a lot. Mm-hmm. We talk about it a lot. It's very problematic. It's the epi- economic and political system we reside under. Socialism is this... Scary word in America. Mm-hmm. It's the political and economic system that we use some things from, but not others. Then we pretend it's not socialism. Um, and we're very scared of it. Yeah. I don't know why. But let's let's kind of debunk what it is, pull us out of this capitalist mindset, show policies that are socialist that we already use in America, and, and break down some hot topic socialist policies today.
0: So just a baseline. We will define what capitalism and socialism are just to kind of give us a baseline to start. So capitalism is an economic and political system in which a country's trade and industry are controlled by private owners for profit rather than by the state. So in true capitalism, all economic production in the private is in the private sector with no government interference, meaning that there is no protection for consumers and workers. It's just a game to get as much capital as you can
1: socialism in contrast is a political and economic theory of social organization which advocates that the means of production distribution and exchange should be owned or regulated by the community as a whole so that means there is regulation on the economy by either the government or the community and of the market
0: and there are lots of socialist policies that we use today in America that do help us, and it's a pretty long list, so buckle up. It's a very long
1: list, and this isn't even all of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, so just for, for a few, first couple, taxpayer-funded highways and roads are for the use of everyone. Public libraries are also very socialist. It's also a great way to be sustainable. But check out our other episode for that. <laughs> it's a different story for a different time. And public departments like the Fire Department and the Postal Service are also socialist institutions.
1: And student loans and grants from the federal government. Bridges. Do y'all like bridges? Do, do, do y'all enjoy that? Do you enjoy using them? I I know I do. I like to go places. Garbage collection. Farmer subsidies. The CIA and the FBI. Congressional health care. Did you know congressional health care is basically just universal health care for Congress? Wow. You know, like, they get universal health care, but then they tell you that you shouldn't have it. Vaccines! Go get your COVID vaccine if you haven't already.
0: We're already talking about getting boosters. Like,
1: we eradicated polio, co- we're trying to work on COVID, swine flu, bird flu, etc. Get your vaccine. Those are, that's socialist, though. Uh, the EPA, which regulates businesses for the health of the environment. I think we kind of enjoy that. Social security. It's got social in the name. Yeah. Yeah come on let's 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 use our brains here guys mm-hmm. <laughs> that's socialism and I know a lot of people like social security so I know y'all like a little bit of socialism at least as well as minimum wage do we, do we like that do we like having a minimum wage
0: sounds like a good idea do to we me. like
1: reg- regulating businesses on how much they should pay people because I, I enjoy that public museums and zoos y'all mm. like going to your to your zoos the Smithsonian's
0: I know okay, I don't, socialism. but they are socialist. <laughs>
1: they are. Uh, public schools, you know, free education.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, corporate subsidies. So, you know, all of those subsidies that corporations get, that is that is socialism. Uh, veterans health care, very similar to congressional health care. It's socialism. Public parks. Public dog parks. Just saying. Um, all of your elected government officials. We pay them through our taxes. Food stamps. The sewer system. Medicare and Medicaid. Our court system. Your judge, your court, and your jury are provided for. The Hoover Dam. The IRS. I know we don't like the IRS, but. Mm. But you know. They're socialist. Free lunch program for students. The Pentagon. The FDA. And I know all y'all Republicans who are like, I don't trust the vaccine because it's not FDA approved. Y'all know that's a socialist program, right?
0: Anyways. Anyways! (laughs) Yeah, disability insurance for those who can't work because of a disability is also a socialist institution. Town and state-run beaches, state construction, unemployment insurance, city and metro buses... WIC also helps, to lower in- helps lower income families with food, education, and health care, state snow removal, PBS and NPR, CDC, F- FEMA, public streetlights, there are so many others, public defenders, Amtrak, and so much more. Basically any government entity you can think of that uses taxpayer dollars is a socialist institution, friends.
1: So why is being called a socialist? Such a fear tactic, Why is that such a hot topic word where Republicans are like, "That's socialist, that's socialist," and Democrats are like, "We're not socialist, we're not socialist. Why is it a bad thing to be socialist?" Well <laughs> since you asked, I asked myself, um, they p- do people see any change towards socialism as the end all of American freedom or
0: just anything that's termed otherwise than capitalism?
1: Yes. Or even just liberalism. They're like, that's going to lead to socialism. And socialism is going to lead to the end of freedom. And we're like, well, no.
0: That's not quite correct. But
1: okay. There is... this. I mean, this has been going on for a while. This has been going on for a very long time. Reagan was a president that really, really spoke out against socialism. I mean, if you think about it, height of the Cold War, yeah. So in a speech Reagan made about Medicare, he claimed that it would lead to the, we were in the sunset years of our, of his generation, and our children and our children's children would not know what it would like to be free if Medicare, which he denounced as socialized medicine, became the law of the land. And yet, now, more than 55 years after this, after Medicare was put in place, it ranks just after Social Security as the second most popular government program. And Americans seem to remain free i don't yeah i'm a little confused but that's okay we've been doing this for a while you can look back on the new deal too they called it a wolf in sheep's clothing that's how president herbert hoover described it um and also a a disguise for the totalitarian state because they believed it was just baiting people in to accept The growth of the government, but it actually really helped us get out of the Great Depression that was caused by unregulated, hands-off capitalism.
0: So, right. Yeah. So (sighs) the S word, you know, is a charge. Republicans have leveled against Democrats for decades, which is something that Thomas Allen Schwartz, who is a Vanderbilt University history and political science professor, said. He also said Democrats have tended, through regulation and other ways, to be more empowering of the federal government and in regulating the economy than the Republicans. And this has been called socialism.
1: Basically, anything Democrats do is just called socialism at this point. And we've made it this bad word... You don't want to be called a socialist. And I mean, this was really bad before. It's still bad now. But you can see that turning a little bit. Schwartz continues to say that it's declined this kind of scare, this fear tactic of the word because the fact that you can see Bernie Sanders mount such a challenge and be so strong despite being a Democrat, well, a Democratic Socialist, but still. Um, He says he, he thinks it shows how socialism doesn't scare as many American voters anymore. And, I mean, it's not like Republicans haven't already used socialism to their benefit we just listed a bunch of socialist policies that have really helped us, but Republicans enact some of their own. Schwartz continues by explaining how Trump passed the CARES Act to help businesses and give $600 payments to unemployed workers during the pandemic, and he helped farmers financially who were hurt by Chinese trade disputes that he caused. So, you know, that's just Trump even doing a little bit of socialism himself, even though he is a self-proclaimed proclaimed anti-socialist.
0: Right. Here's the thing. Republicans can use socialist tactics when they want, and we all enjoy socialist policies without realizing that they are socialist policies.
1: So let's just call it like it is and stop being afraid of it, because it's really helping you.
0: It really is. It really is.
1: Now, we also want to turn and look at three very hot socialist topics right now, how they actually work, and let's stop being afraid of them. Okay? Okay. Cool. (laughs) Universal health care. That's one we've been talking about for a hot minute now. It was a big issue in the 2020 election. Every Democrat on that stage, all 20 of them, had their own way they wanted to do healthcare. Some wanted to do universal healthcare, some were like, "Oh, we're going to give you everything you want and you can have it still private." Whatever. Universal healthcare is basically is all people have access to the healthcare services they need when and where they need without financial hardship. It sounds kind of nice. It there does. are three different ways this can be done. There is a single-payer model, mandatory insurance model, and a national health insurance model.
0: So the single-payer model, in which the government pays, provides health care through income taxes, the health care providers are government employees and the government works with hospitals and doctors to get care for a good cost. This system is used in the UK, New Zealand, Spain, Cuba, and we also already offer this system to the military and vets.
1: So surprise, surprise, we have socialism in America too. We have universal health care for a couple groups already. There is also the social health insurance model which the country requires everyone in the every citizen to buy insurance, which would usually be from their employers, and then employers will deduct taxes from um, an employee's pay to pay for the government-funded health insurance, and that then covers everyone under private hospitals and doctors. Germany is actually the one who developed this system, and they also use it in France, Switzerland, Belgium, Japan, and the Netherlands.
0: The national health insurance model is that every citizen pays into the national insurance plan and the government works to lower medical costs and can do so because there is only one insurance provider canada taiwan and south korea use this model as well as medicare and medicaid
1: so we do use this in the united states again (laughs) right it's same thing so it's actually been shown that the united states has the highest infant mortality rate compared to other countries that have universal health care And at the same time we also pay way more than for healthcare than other countries. So let's kind of give this a chance. Let's hear it out. Let's not just call it evil and then move on. Universal healthcare can lower healthcare costs for people and administrative costs of just, you know, providing healthcare and it creates a standard of care service that doesn't discriminate and we would end up getting a healthier group of citizens. I... mm -hmm.
0: I don't see any negatives there. And
1: I mean, considering how much we spend on healthcare and how many people still can't afford essential medicines or hospital visits, I think the system's kind of worth a shot.
0: I would have to agree. Another thing is- another hot button topic right now is college for all. Because higher education is basically a requirement to get a stable and high-paying job in the United States, but getting that education is extremely costly, which leaves students with massive debt and no job offer or a job that doesn't pay enough for them to afford to live. It's predicted that millennials will be the most educated generation in the workforce, but will also be the first generation to make less money than their parents. We already offer the public education to K-12, through so why not college?
1: Right now, more than- 45 million people hold over $1.7 in student loan debt. Trillions. That's that's insane. That's an insane amount of money. That is so much money. Like, getting an education is truly a privilege in America. It really is. In April of this year, U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders, who we've mentioned before, and U.S. Representative Pramila Jaya Powell introduced the College for All Act. So this is one type of way that we could help make college more accessible through socialism. This act would eliminate tuition and fees at public colleges and universities for families making up to $125,000. That's nearly 80% of families. And this would also make community college free for every person in the country. I really like this quote from Sanders. The way he explains it just really captures it really well. He says in the wealthiest country in the history of the world, higher education should be a right for all, not a privilege for the few. If we are going to have the kind of standard of living that American people deserve, we need to have the best educated workforce in the world. It is absolutely unacceptable that hundreds of thousands of bright young Americans do not get a higher education each year. Not because they are unqualified, but because their family does not have enough money. In the 21st century, a free public education system that goes from kindergarten through high school is no longer good enough. The time is long overdue to make public colleges and universities tuition-free and debt-free for working families.
0: Amen, Bernie. I just,
1: Bernie, you said it so well. I couldn't have said it better myself.
0: Right. And this is just one idea to make higher education more accessible to everyone. And I mean, we have to admit, again, higher education is in our country is a privilege, and not one that everyone can afford, but with this step and future steps that we can take, maybe it doesn't have to be.
1: Because if education continues to just be a privilege, the rich are the only ones who are going to get that privilege, and-
0: And we all know how much we hate- the everyone hates the phrase, the rich get richer.
1: True, and the rich will just continue to get richer, and- I don't know. I just feel like poor people deserve to get educated too. Absolutely. I don't think that's a radical idea. I don't think it is either. But you know what? Call me what you want. I don't care. The last and final hot topic that we want to talk about is universal base income, which has really interested me. The more I research about it, very interesting. It's not a new idea, but it is newer to modern politics as it reached a national scale with Andrew Yang in the 2020 election.
0: Yang proposed a $1,000 a month basic income to every citizen 18 years or older in the United States, and an early proposal of this idea came from Thomas Paine, who y'all may know wrote Common Sense, and proposed in the pamphlet titled The Agri- Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Agrarian? (laughs) Agrarian Justice. That really threw me off my-
1: In this pamphlet. He is urging European leaders to create a national fund that gives every person 15 pounds of sterling starting at the age of 21, and then another 10 pounds each year after the age of 50. So, y'all, I hope you know who Thomas Paine is. Revolutionary War, common sense, big... Very important, very important. If you don't, go look it up. I don't... I'm I'm not giving you a history lesson on this, but...
0: (laughs) Not today, anyway. Not
1: today. But see, you can see this isn't a new idea, and... I mean, I know all the Republicans love to make idols out of founders, so uh, maybe maybe listen to this founder. He's got some socialist ideas. No? Yes? No? Okay. Yes. yes. So this system is actually really efficient and effective because there's no need to go through, like, applications of who qualifies, and it quickly gets money into the hands of people who need it most. I mean, really, if you think about it, like, what could you do if you didn't have to worry about having enough money for food and other bills. Like, how would that thousand dollars a month change your life? Because I know it would change mine. It would make it so much easier to pay for college, which Mm -hmm. we've talked about before is really freaking expensive. Mm -hmm. It would help with so many other things. And it also removes the stigma of getting public assistance and creates a safety net for people.
0: It does. And I mean, there are some valid critiques that There are people who don't really need that money, and there are some parts of the country where this would cover the cost of living and deters people from working, sure. But despite this, it's a socialist policy to help people get out of poverty, provide a safety net, and give people freedom to take risks on changing their lives. And I mean, think about the innovation that we could have if people didn't have to worry so much about getting basic needs like food and water and everything else. And think about the economy that we could have if more people had money to spend.
1: I mean, y'all know, Republicans love that economy.
0: They They do. think capitalism's
1: the best, but I mean, if everyone had more money, it's more money being spent. Plus, literally, just think about the innovation. If you didn't have to worry about getting basic necessities, maybe people wouldn't have as much of a hard time as at starting a new business or, you know, doing something else creative, going back to school, getting more education. Like, it could really expand people's opportunities and give them a chance to really do something if they wanted to. And if even if they don't want to do that, they don't need to, they they have a less stress on them. They can maybe focus more time on their kids or more time on something else and not always having to constantly worry about where they're gonna get money for their next meal or money to pay their
0: water bill, you know? I think that's just kind of a nice thing. It is. It's a good thing to have. If you learn anything from all of this, please know that socialism is not some scary beast that's going to pop out from under your bed to take away your freedom. The word may be used as as a scare tactic from Republicans and Democrats alike, but we use socialism in our country. And it has a lot of benefits that capitalism, I can't even say (laughs) the word, I'm so disgusted with it, that it just simply can't provide. And if it makes you feel better, call it social security. You know, that's- that's what everyone loves to call it, I guess, but-
1: Well, that's what all- the old folks love social security, so just think of it as social security, because that is socialism.
0: But please don't be afraid to look into policies that some call evil, because they have some strong advantages. Just don't be afraid of that change, be open to new ideas, and go be merry. Go
1: forth and prosper. Go forth and be open to different ideas. Don't just follow one thing because your country has always told you it's the best.
0: Because it might not. There might be be some
1: other ideas. There might be some good ways to help people who aren't rich white
0: men. A thought. That seems kind of nice to me. A concept. With all of that, we are uncertified and unqualified, and maybe we would be certified and qualified if we had a lower public education, <laughs> but besides that, we are uncertified and unqualified. You, we release episodes every other Monday, and you can find us on Instagram at uncertified and pod. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.